Hello, this is Ruin Willow, and you are listening to the Oh, fuck yeah, with Ruin Willow podcast. I'm so excited you're here today. I'm excited you're joining my podcast for this episode. On my podcast, I talk about hmm, all things related to sex, sexuality, sex toys, sex tips, erotica, mine and others. And today, I'm so excited you're all here today listening to this podcast episode. I have a special treat for you. We are talking to P.B. Breckenridge, who wrote a new novella coming out called Size Kings. Welcome, P.B. Breckenridge. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you. I I am too. I'm so excited. My first podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's awesome. So your book, Size Kings, is coming out soon. And when is it? August 1st. August 1st. Pre-orders are being taken now. Nice. We've actually sold a few already. (laughs) That's awesome. This is such a great feeling, isn't it? It is. It is. So nice to know that my book or our book is going to be in the hands of, well, a hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> Somebody else. <laughs> that kind of reading, you know, Rowan. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. Yes, exactly. Well, congratulations. I have to say that. You've got some pre-orders. That's awesome. So it's coming out August 1st, and you wrote it with, and who, who did you write it with? Boy 93 Nice. And that's his Twitter handle, correct? Yes, they're, they're fairly new. He's written other in other erotica genres, but he wanted this work to be completely separate sure. from than before. And we both had kind of agreed that you know, new name would be would be nice, and a new handle would be nice. And it just seemed to like all of the pieces fell into place, and they came up for me. They came out of nowhere. Oh, that's that's cool though. You know, sometimes those things are meant to be, right? <laughs> yeah, it it started off with he he had the idea, and then he approached me because you know if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I'm tweeting about being pussy boy right. all the time, <laughs> right? And my blog, Blogspot, is the same thing, and I've been suspended two times because of the way I tweet. Oh yeah. Twitter never really explains much of anything. <laughs> yeah. And they sort of sometimes just seem to like delete people for no reason. Other people, they don't. And nobody can ever figure out why. Yeah. The, the, the only clear thing I got, and it wasn't all that clear, I tried. The first time it happened, I tried for five months with my second account to figure out what the heck happened. Because I had 20,000 followers. Right. <laughs> insane. Wow. How frustrating, year, right? Yeah. And all built in a year's time from 2000 to 20 in a year's time. It was insane. So it was mm. like, what did I do? And the only answer that they gave, it was very unclear how they thought I did it was I was misgendering people. Okay. Hmm. I'm like, okay, well, all right, I get it. So I take now, now this is my third, third account, fourth account, something like that. Okay. I misspell everything <laughs> on <Yeah>. purpose. <laughs> right. You know, you know what? that's actually, there's a lot of truth to that because they have these logarithms that search yeah. out words. I didn't realize that. I've learned so yeah. much in the year 
over a year that I've been tweeting the way that I have. And I felt when it started, I was so alone, mm. you know, because I know the term pussy boy till a year ago. Okay. If you read my blog, it's that's Mr. Faggot to you, blogspot.com. Okay. <laughs> I can put that link down in the podcast notes too. So people who are interested can yeah, find I think that. There's a dot before blogspot. But anyway, I wrote about how it all happened, and it was a porn video on Pornhub last year, of course, way before the dump of all their, all, a lot of their videos. Evan Franco and this couple called the Big C Men, Letter C Men, Jared and Corey. And Daddy Corey, because he's the daddy in the relationship, okay, is like going at it with Power Bottom Devin Franco, right? Okay. And Corey called him a pussy. And I'm like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Yeah, what was that? <laughs> and he says it like three or four times. And it was the first time hearing that term in gay anything. Okay. And of course, I have my, well, I have a BA in English with full honors and a master's of creative Masters of Fine Arts in Creative Writing. Very cool. So, of course, I love to research. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I love, I, love I love it. So I started researching and then stumbling, just stumbling, trying to find anything. So the first thing was, and I blogged about it, uh, Native American thinking going back hundreds of years to what's now called third gender. So this this idea of men living as women, dressed as women, raising children that aren't their own, and identify as women. Okay. And then Magnus Hirschfeld picked up the idea before World War II and took it even further and said that primarily his thinking was that feminine bottom men had what he called intersex souls, which would know would be probably transgendered souls, I guess. Okay. And I was completely fascinated and I just stumbled across that word pussy boy. And I'm like, my God, everything just clicked. And then, of course, you know, J.M. Shadows on Twitter did his book, Domingo's Putita. I hope I said that right. (laughs) (laughs) I hope. (laughs) P-U-T-I-T-A is the Spanish word. Okay. I don't know Spanish very well, so I'm not very much. I don't either. I know how to order food (laughs) moves and that's about it. That's kind of the important stuff, right? <laughs> right, exactly. But it, he was the first author of any kind that I'd read that wrote about phenomenon in gay literature because his character, Ariel, is a pussy boy. Okay. He said that to me in a direct message. We got to talking one night. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've got to read this. And I read it very shortly before release and actually interviewed him and DM messages, and that's what's posted is the interview, which is, I think, probably the second most read thing I did there. The first being this whole third gen, what I call third gender pussy idea. Because a follower took it a step further and said that he was his life support system for his sex organ. And not where you're thinking it is. <laughs> right. So this was all your inspiration to write your book, Size Kings. Is that correct? 
correct. It was actually P-Boy93's idea. He messaged me, I have this idea. You roughly talked about it. I'm like, I'll read it. And then I read it and I did very light editing. Sure. And, and I like made notes with few suggestions. And I mentioned that and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and this was about the time I went from my real name, my pen name, because I, I have three literary, more literary works, you know, with title professor in front of two of them. Right. Versus going into erotica. And I'm like, boy, and I don't have a teaching job yet. And I'm like, how are they going to look at that? So I had to come up with a pen name. Yeah. He had approached me and he's like, no, no, I want you to like heavily edit, heavily add based on the way you, that you tweet. I know you're going to be phenomenal with this. Right. And that's what led to Size Kings. And Actually, in the very beginning, you're going to find this hysterical. I said, and I'm like, do you realize you've got the name wrong there? He's like, what? I'm like, it's Size Queens, Mary. Oh. <laughs> Like, no, 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 no. Yeah, he's like, I know that. No, no, no. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, kind of his response, like, okay, but, but. (laughs) I would love it if you would read some of that for us. Are you willing to do that? I I am. So it's primarily seen as chapter four, this character named Dub. Of course, Johnny, who's our budding daddy and person that is going to become his boy. Okay. Dub rose to his feet naked from the waist down. Hope you're ready for payback. Johnny grinned and they switched positions. Johnny back, Johnny's back to the edge of the bed. Dub undid Johnny's belt and pulled him to his feet. I like to jerk my cock while I suck yours. Drop him, Dub said, licking up Johnny's pant leg. Johnny hesitated. I've never seen, I've never shown a guy my cock before. You may think, you may think it's too small. Dub laughed. And you think I care about size? You said you're a size king, Johnny said. You do realize the term, though, is size queen, though, right? Even I know that much. Dub nodded, yeah, yeah. When I'm on the bottom, and yes, I know it's size queen, but do I look like, do I look like some queen to you? Oh, no, no, you don't, Dub. I wasn't implying anything. Johnny stood, transfixed, staring into Dub's eyes. Dub slowly slid his hands up Johnny's thigh. Let me start. And I know you weren't implying anything at all. You just weren't aware of what I know or don't know. That's all. As Dub pulled Johnny's pants down, he bit his lip lip, and looked up sheepishly. He heard Dub gasp loudly and looked down in worry. Dub glanced up with a wide, stupid grin. What the fuck, dude? He muttered. What? Johnny asked, praying it was an abnormal your cock is fucking massive, <laughs> Dub groaned, running his fingers along the thick, veiny shaft. Johnny smiled. He knew it was large, but he didn't know if anyone else would ever think that. Is that enough? Oh, yeah, that's great. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> well, I know there's going to be people interested in, in the book, and I'm excited that you're getting it out there, especially if, if there isn't much written in this particular topic, right? I don't think there is. I don't. No, before the Pornhub dump, I was like scouring Twitter, or not Twitter, Pornhub for videos where that pussy is said in gay porn. And it seems to be a little more predominant 
in fisting porn than regular porn. Okay. A little bit, not much. <laughs> sure. But, but at one point before the dump, I had like 300 videos. Now they're like 40. I was like, it's <laughs> too bad. I mean, yeah, what can I do? That's just frustrating. Yeah. And in the years' time that I've been tweeting about it, I've noticed more and more people using the term tweeting similarly the way that I do a little bit. I've noticed it even with, you know, professional porn stars sure. using, using the term, like, you know, Alessia Vago has said it, Literary Bottom, he's a big one for saying it. Devin Franco, who's like at the top of the heap, next, next Alessio, he says it too. Even Michael Lucas had said it a few different times in some videos that he has done. And I'm like, there's got to be something there. And, you know, when I started it, I felt so alone. And then, like I said, in a year's time, 20,000 followers before the first dump, before the first suspension. The second one, I was only at it for like two months, went from zero to 5,000 in two months. Wow. So, and then was suspended again. Okay, 25,000 followers, that's something. Right. And I'm not anybody. People are interested in that. Obviously, if you get that many followers that quickly, there are people interested in this. Well, the other shocker, because I can't remember how I stumbled across it, but it was this documentary on GRL. It's like this convention book, book fair, book event, author meet and greet thing with gay erotica. Okay. There, there were so many eye-opening learning things from that. Like the first one. Even though it's men on men geared to gay men, or bi men or curious men or whatever, down low or whatever they are, the majority of the authors are women. Oh, really? Completely blew me out of my mind. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Wow, that is surprising. Yeah, I know. I completely bowled over. And then the majority... The other big thing, one of the biggest sellers was this whole phenomenon that I'd seen. I've only seen a tiny little bit, very tiny, on Twitter about Mpreg. This idea of bottom men becoming pregnant through intercourse. Okay. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that women had that genre and women you'll love this are you ready it's good yeah. women <laughs> are the number one buyers of that really oh no I'm that's like, interesting i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> wow and then this facebook follower of mine suggested this facebook group I can't remember the exact name of like gay erotica kink or some some something. I've only belonged a day, day being the first. So what's the very first post I see the very first time in this brand new forum? Mpreg. Ah. <laughs> something there. Again, right. I, don't know, I don't know what it is, but it's like the question this morning was is like, do you like Authors to explain how that whole thing happens and how they give birth? Or do you like it left mysterious? Or where do you fall? 
and then all these different theories about how these bottom gay, bottom, I'm assuming gay men. (laughs) Right. Whatever they are. (laughs) They give birth. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Need some more information. (laughs) We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With our special offer, go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, (laughs) Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean-shaven for spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, "Hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. (laughs) Spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. It was eye-opening because it was, and apparently there's a couple authors, well-respected ones apparently, at C-section, something about some kind of something that's connected to Lord knows what. (laughs) Baby pops out your belly button. (laughs) (laughs) It's like science fiction. just pops right out. Other one, and there was a movie, I can't remember the name of it. The couple, they both end up pregnant with each other's baby. And they do it the old-fashioned way. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Without drugs. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Very intriguing. So... So what, what brought you to write erotica? Like, was it in you that thought, I think I'd like to do this? Oh, Lord, funny story. One of my oldest gay friends, his stage name is Mona Del West. Okay. I've known him, God, 33 or 34 years, something like that. Oh, nice. And, and we used to perform together years ago. <laughs> He's brought me out of retirement a couple different times here recently. Sure. Um, but not anything major yet. But we were sitting there one day. He has these wonderful house parties in his backyard where he invites all these friends and it's potluck and alcohol. And it's just, they're a lot of fun. Sure. And we're not having to go to the bar or pay, really, you know. 
because him and his husband provide the booze and we all provide the food. Okay. We were sitting there talking then one day and he's like, you know, have you ever thought of, and this was after my first literary book about gays, creative nonfiction about gays and the Holocaust. Okay. And he's like, have you given any thought to erotica? I'm like, like what, Jackie Collins? <laughs> not, not quite. More smut driven than Jackie ever would be. <laughs> right, right. Why do you ask? And he's like, well, I've read the first one and it's really, really good. But you kind of skim over the sexy bits. <laughs> oh, gotcha. I'm like, well, it was, you know, my honors projects for my BA. I'm like, right. I didn't hear they want to read that. Yeah. And, you know, this is Kent State library <laughs> right. there's a time and a place for everything and that's probably true <laughs> yeah like well i think you should try it that's when i got to really thinking about it i got this brainstorm of an idea i don't know how much you know about cleveland history i lived in cleveland 20 years i now live in a small suburb about 35 minutes away okay so in the 1930s there was this person we don't know exactly who is it still unsolved that killed i want to say 12 or 13 people in the 1930s around the time of elliot ness okay and they all took place in um what's called the run in the cleveland area so it was like this down you know downcast poverty below poverty level like hobos and people that were getting off trains and vagrants and prostitutes. And these were all the murders that had taken place. And okay. the gentlemen were assuming gentlemen because of the sheer strength of those murders ripped or cut these people apart. And he was called the torso killer. So my idea was just to take that, that historical event, as the inspiration, very loose, very <laughs> with an all primarily all gay cast, investigators, police department, questionable newspaper editor, Catholic priest. All of the victims, of course, are, and that's this story loosely inspired by. And it's eleven murders, with a number eleven playing part in every single murder. Working on it for little over a year or more. Chief of police is openly gay. He's outed in a news conference. There's a small, very small, like straight population. I mean, they're minor characters, but that's how it kind of all started. And well, it's is not, that book, can I clarify one thing? Is that book the one that's out or is that a work in progress? That's, that's, a, work in pro- that's a work in progress. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, Tentatively right now, ugh, tentatively right now called Torso. I haven't really fully decided yet that's going to be the title of it or not. Then it was around last year, last around the time of the Devin Franco movie, that I made this decision that the chief of police, with one of the people that he becomes involved with that ends up actually being murdered, is the one that introduces him to this term pussy boy and then he realizes after frank's death that he is one and has been 
his entire adult sexual life. And that was really my first writing about it before Size Kings. Okay. Given the opportunity to do it, it was like, okay, wow. It was just, I was really moved that he would want me to do that. You know, this one is anywhere near ready. It's like over 60,000 words of progress. Mm -hmm. It's going to full length, you know, thing that takes place in this fictional town called Yatesville. The run is now called Queensberry Run instead of Kingsbury, which is what is is in Cleveland. So it's been turned on its head. And it's kind of a pun. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of fun to do that in writing, I think. Yeah. And a little lot of, nuggets in there. Yeah, there's been a lot of research into, you know, who the people were that were actually murdered. A lot of the press releases about the autopsies into those murders and a lot of those notes and especially, you know, the specifics because I'm no doctor about what the victims look like when they were found play a part in this work in progress. Because it's like, I might as well use it. Nobody's going to know, well, how they do. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where it came from. You know, it's, and it's not a real specific, specific time frame. I can really mention like a year. There are hints. I might have to go back because the hints have been like late 80s, early 90s. So I don't know. I'd be more present. Sure, sure. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing that. I mean, exactly. Yeah. So what is your favorite part of the writing process? I think it goes back to my biggest hurdle, writing the very first thing I wrote. You know, going to college, I was used to like the 10 or 15 page paper. And then graduating with honors, you could gear specific classes and make them an honor class. And then there would be special projects involved with that class to do that. So I had written this big research thing on until the Jocelyn Gage, you know, she was the mother-in-law to L. Frank Baum who wrote the wizard of Oz. And she's the one credited for making Frank write those stories down. Mm. That research paper ended up being like 40 pages. So I knew I could do 40. And the writing project was, for my honors degree, had to be over 200, at least 200 or more. I'm going, oh my God, <laughs> what am I, I going to do? And it's all creative, oh my God. And I, and I could design it. So at the time, the last openly known gay Holocaust survivor had died. Okay. And I wrote this page story for a class, writing class I was in. And the teacher that I picked had that, had that, had that, said, I really think you're onto something. I think you should research it and see what there's out there. And I'm like, and I came back a little while later, and there were only like, I think, nine or ten books counting mine out oh. there. And he's like, PB, you're really onto something there. Yeah. I think you should explore it. So two years. And then I, we, we met some time later, and I was really struggling. He's like, what's the struggle? I'm like, I'm having a huge problem writing linear. And he's like, what? You're doing what? (laughs) (laughs) You know, in order. Like, oh my God, PB, really? He's like, no, 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 no. Don't, you know, don't do that. And then he's like, and rumor has it, 
you write everything long-handed, you know, legal pads like my Angelo. Oh dear. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I do. Like, good God, really? This is it's all gotta it's all gotta stop. Yeah, it's so much easier to type it. Yes, I do now. Have for good. a long have for a long time, but there for the longest. Everything was longhand. Gotta stop thinking linear. Right. Just stop. But how do I do it? He's like, write what you're inspired to write that day, whatever that is. Go back and constantly reread because every time you're rereading, you're also editing. Yes. Every, every time. And you're not forced to think linear because you're finding things in your research you've never thought of. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, like Payboy writes in this, in Size King, this description of this fuck bench. And when he tells, told me, I know what they are. I know what they look like. I'm sure we all do for most sure. of most of us that write this stuff do. <laughs> <laughs> when I read it, I'm like, what <laughs> are you talking about? <laughs> and I left it. I reread it that section three times. I'm like, okay, that does make sense. The way he laid that out, because it, it's a converted how much do I want to give away? <laughs> inverted thing you would never see coming and that kind of sexual equipment. I'll leave it gotcha. at that. Okay, okay, <laughs> that works. I, I, I want some readers, readers surprised when they see this and they're going, boy, PB really warned us about this. <laughs> right. Make some mystery here. Yeah, some intrigue. Yeah. I want to credit, mention my name again, but I really want to credit and thank JM Shadows, so very much for coming up with my pen name. Oh, nice. He was the one that did it. We were talking one night again in DM messages, just, you know, casually about writing and you know, my, my lengthier work progress. And I think I was working, starting to start work on Size Kings at the point. Like, like I saw your post about pen names have you given any thought i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> I, I said i, well, I said kind of but kind of a play a more masculine play on what my drag name with my drag name is sure and he's like yeah it's okay <laughs> i'm like well you have anything better and time passed and we were throwing out ideas and then he's like i've got it i'm like what, what have you got and he's like pb breckenridge and i'm like and he's like, and of course, PB, PB is the obvious, right? Obvious where that's going. If you follow me on Twitter, you know where that goes. Yep. And Breckenridge, because we're older, we're both in our fifties, was his an inside joke to Myra Beck Breckenridge, you know, with Raquel Welch and okay. Mae West, where Raquel plays transgendered woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And it's like the younger generation is never going to get that. Well, now they will. Uh, <laughs> it's just a good name, though. It's a solid name. I think it sounds nice. I do too. And it's like Breckenridge is this nice nod to my Jewish heritage. Sure. Um, my, my real last name is not anywhere near Jewish at all. <laughs> <laughs> this Irish last name is like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> with a nice solid what well, is now <laughs> right right yeah it's, 
I'm just so excited to finally have something like this in someone's hands. Sure. You know, something that means so much to me. And is, I think, such a far venture from everything else that I've done. Right. I don't know about you, but it just, I don't know. This, this writing comes so easy. I mean, there is research. Don't get me wrong. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's more, it seems more creative in a way. And it seems like it's your deepest, darkest, innermost, whatever, that's on the page. And maybe that's the way I write. I don't know if anybody else does, but. It sounds very honest. And I think people, people like that. People like honesty and genuine, genuineness in writing. And if you know, that's where some people say, write what you know. Not that you have to always write what you know, because obviously we can write in different genres. Right. I didn't know anything about writing about the Holocaust. I didn't know anything about writing from a Jewish point of view because I right. wasn't raised Jewish. I didn't even realize I was Jewish until I was writing that first book and I was researching my family at the same time. Okay. And then uncover this huge family secret that's been buried since the ni- since the eighteen sixties. Wow, I'm that's like, amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But it was like I knew it was something I really wanted to do, and I knew that there was so little on. And then the ending of that first book, I don't want to. Well, I guess I can give it away because I haven't mentioned the title to it yet. Oh, and if people want. The other names of my, my literary work, they can direct message me on okay. Twitter. We'll give it to them. Okay. Well, also say what your Twitter handle is. What is your Twitter Ooh. handle? I'm here. I've got to look. This is sad. <laughs> but I've got to look. I hang on here. I believe that's okay. I think it's just capital PB, lower lowercase dash Breckenridge, and that's B. B-R-E-C-K-I-N-R-I-D-G-E. And then the blog spot is, okay, that's Mr. Faggot, the letter, or the number two, u.blogspot.com. And you've got to be 18 to read the blog. <laughs> okay. Nice. And your blog. Put that out there, right? Yeah, you gotta be eighteen. That's right. You gotta be eighteen to listen to this. Probably to read my Twitter too. For that yeah, exactly. So your blog is about sex advice and insight for gay men. That is correct. Or down low, or curious, or bi, or whatever they are, and it's all okay. from that specific point of view. And when I had so many followers, was so nice was I would get questions that I felt were way too lengthy for Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> it's really difficult to keep 140 characters. Oh, yes. <laughs> People lose interest, I think, in threads quickly. Yeah, it's kind of hard so, to look through them. Right. So I made the decision to do a blog, and then I was creating my own memes because I wasn't finding memes that, and that was the other, the, one of the big things I walked away learning how to do last year, was create a meme, how to do Zoom conferences. Uh-huh. <laughs> now I know how to do a podcast. Yes. <laughs> having done yours. <laughs> yeah, it's really easy. <laughs> Just talking. Do. Yeah, it's 
but it was creating memes that I was tweeting that were my own because that was one of the other accusations by Twitter was says, oh well the photograph was copyright or the gift gif is copyright and I don't know about gifts if they're copyright. Yeah. But seriously, just you know, if you have a problem, just message me and I'll take it down. Right. Wouldn't that be so much easier and make sense instead of just right. cutting you right well, out? Right. So then I got to the point where I was using images, black and white photographs from 1969 and before. <laughs> All these people, <laughs> probably if they were adults or dead. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. You know, stuff that went way back to like the American Model Guild and Bob Miser and the fitness magazines that led to, you know, gay porn magazines. I was using really old stuff. <laughs> gotcha. That's interesting because then it's not necessarily copyrighted like things are today. Right. It was free domain. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, interesting. And then when I'm going, okay, well, I'm going to censor myself. And then the second suspension and before starting, the new Twitter, I'm like, well, okay, all of these memes that I think got me into trouble are now only seen, the ones that are really naughty, are only seen on my blog and not on my Twitter. Okay. The more safe stuff, there is such a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Twitter thinks there is. (laughs) Well, interesting, because there was a follower, we were talking recently and made a comment and I'm like, do you follow? And then he looks through, looks through my, you know, he looks through my feed and he's like, well, I did for a while, but then I don't like the way that you tweet. And then I'm like out and about all the time. And there's all this stuff, you know, that's visible to anybody. And I'm like, I get it. But it's how you think you've got to have the right picture or the right animated GIF or the right whatever to go with your text, to help promote that text. I think it's the picture that makes you stop, or at least makes me stop and read above and beyond the text. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. I think it's true of many people. That's what catches their eye. Something that right. They want. It's all pornographic. And well, honey, hello, you're a gay man on Twitter. <laughs> Write about your gay books, but you aren't using gay gifts. I'm like, the gay gifts. I'm like, you know, whatever, Mary. Please give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> There's an audience for it. Oh, it. Hopefully, you'll buy the book anyway. Right. Exactly. Well, I have a question that I like to ask people, authors, um, writers. What was an early experience in your life where you learned that language had power? Oh, it's kind answer. of a hard question. It's kind of a no, deep question. No, it's not because I know the answer to this immediately. Oh, okay. I, if you're familiar with Ohio at all, I grew up middle of Geauga County, nowhere. Very tiny town that even today is way under 4,000 people. Okay. Our neighbors were primarily either Amish or Mennonite. And I grew up very conservative Baptist. I turned 55 in November. So, of course, gay representation on TV was Liberace, Paul Land in the Hollywood Squares, Rip Taylor throwing confetti everywhere, posited Jim Bailey as Phyllis Diller and Barbara Streisand and the Carol Burnett Show, Whip Wilson as Geraldine. And that was about it. Right. <laughs> Not great role models. 
You know, even Jim Bailey on the Carol Burnett show was talking about, oh, well, I'm dating Lucy Arnaz. And I'm stand- sitting there at the time going, as a teenager, here you are. <laughs> I knew I knew very early on how I felt there wasn't the language for that and then especially the way that I grew up you know in a southern conservative Baptist on the verge of Pentecostal church and all we heard all the time was oh well that's so wrong and then going from small town grade school to a slightly larger small town high school where five and six schools are combined into one high school. And when I graduated, there were only a hundred of us that graduated and we were the largest graduating class at the time in 1985. Okay. hundred kids, which now is unheard of. Yeah. You know, they're way bigger than that. <laughs> right. But the bullying began 13. And the language for that came in as like, oh, oh, wait a minute. That's what that feeling is. There was a, a language for that. And then last year, you know, I really started paying attention more than ever, I think, how our language within the gay community has changed. Oh, yeah. And, and has adapted and new terms and new identities and new ways of doing that. And there are still things I know very little about. And I've been, well, out to myself since I was 13 that I knew that that's exactly what it was. Sure. You know, I had the words for it and that I could express it because I didn't know how to express these feelings and emotions and these kid, you know, crushes as a kid. You know, as a little tiny kid, I don't know how old you are, but you know, Mickey Mouse, the Mickey Mouse Club with Annette Fluminicello was on reruns growing up. So I was like seven years old, I think, and my first crush was Cubby from the old Mickey Mouse Club. Okay. As a, you know, as a teenager, and I'm not dead, name, dead naming her, but when he won the Olympics as Bruce Jenner, he appeared in Playgirl magazine. So it's like, that was a teenage. So I knew, but it was like, there wasn't a word for it. Right. You know, and going, kind of going back to words that I don't know now, even now, having been out all that time. Sure. Like binary. Exactly. What is that? How does that work? Is it a wide range of one way far, far right extreme, one way far left extreme, and everybody in the middle, like everybody else? Or how does it work? I'm not good with all of those terms myself. I mean, I know some, but but I don't know all of them. No, it's a learning process. And it's interesting how it's more and more out in the media. Yeah, I mean, growing up and coming out, you know, and having my first partner at 18 going on 19, the big term then was power bottom. I know what that is. (laughs) Right. That's kind of gone to the way and that's taken on new meaning. You know, transgender is this whole brand new gigantic phenomenon Yeah, that 10 years ago was not even on hardly anybody's radar. Unfortunately, Caitlyn Jenner, unfortunately, probably the person 
most associated with that for the majority of mainstream vanilla right. America. Right. You're right. <laughs> and maybe Laverne Fox, maybe. Right. More Caitlin than Laverne, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's, and I and I'm glad that it has because it, because it gives people so many different ways of identifying, and that you can be more than one thing. Right, that's true. They, they don't necessarily clash. Some of them go together. There are small differences, not a lot. Some of them. Seems more inclusive. Seems more friendly. It seems. Yeah, yeah. And now you know, with the ability to legally marry, the last five or six years, I have mixed emotions about assimilation. <laughs> right, I can imagine. Yeah. Not everybody, you know, right. like everybody else. You know, I don't. You know, if you've been on Twitter the last couple of days, you know this move, this brand new movement of. Let's take Stonewall back. I'm making an actual riot. And that's wow. sponsored by alcohol companies and anybody else that will come on board, you know, consume our dollars when they don't care about the rest of the year. Yeah. I've had a huge issue with that for a long time. Seems like a lot of people do it. I know why, but they get right. You know, and right. then some, and some of these people, that's the only time that they do it. And then the rest of the time, like, previously target with one of them was using the money that they were making and then funding anti-gay causes. Well, no, hello. Really? You can't take and eat it too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jeez. I mean, yeah. It's and then I think too, growing up the way that I did and you know, where a lot of our activities is, especially in the summer was reading and a lot of it. And then our local library you know, that was the next town over would bring in the bookmobile and would have reading programs every year for kids growing up in the middle of nowhere. Sure. And then the kid that would read the most books won a prize. And of course, who always won that prize? Well, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good for you. (laughs) It was hundreds of books. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm a voracious reader. And I think to be a good writer, you've got to be a voracious reader. Yes, I think that's true. Many, many genres. You know, and then um, a friend of mine just recently asked about writing because I, we were talking, somebody else different than Mona, about erotic, and I asked the question nobody seemed to answer, was, is there such a thing as gay erotic fairy tales? Uh-huh. No? Do I know? Uh-huh. I don't know, actually. That's a good question. I'm not really sure. Prince and Prince Charming kind of. Right. You know, I think that's actually something that would do well. I mean, I think that people would like that. I really do. I mean, I know there are people that write fantasy. Yes. Gay fantasy erotica. But is there this fairy tale? Like, I don't know. That could be something you explore. (laughs) Your pen and cap. Captain Hook. <laughs> right. I mean, the dynamic is already there. You have a whole island of lost boys. Hello. And right. the only bad guy. Yeah. Might be something that you could explore and do well. Don't give me another idea. <laughs> <laughs> One thing at a time, right? One thing at a time. I don't know about you, but it seems like there's so many ideas 
am I ever going to have enough time to write all of them? Oh, I know. I feel like I have so many ideas too. And it is hard to find time to do everything. I just try to do one thing at a time and not be overwhelmed by your ideas. Write them all down so you don't forget them, right? Well, I keep a thing on my bedside just for ideas. And then I don't know about your followers, but mine over the last year, year and a half have been amazing with the comments. Sure. So the comments go down in a whole separate other journal. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> that I really like. Sure. I write down. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. <laughs> Maybe you can turn them into some writing of some sort or just story ideas or just lines for stories within stories. I mean. That's what I was thinking, but I didn't know if you get away with doing that. Well, if you change it a little bit and then it's not going to be like stealing you know, plagiarism because you changed just a little bit. True. I didn't think of it that way. So what's your definition? Like, what would you say is your definition of being successful as a writer? What is that to you? I think first it's the ideas that they're good ideas. Like the Holocaust story, I think it was a really good idea. And the third one for my master's program, and it was my memoirs. Okay. You know, about growing up gay and Baptist and then, you know, drug and alcohol problems in my 20s, living the last 30 years with AIDS. It was just very, I was very honest. It was, it was the hardest thing I've ever wrote because I was so honest, but I made that decision. People didn't like what they were reading. Skip a couple paragraphs or a couple pages and they could go on. Yeah. But but I wasn't going to hide anything. And that one you did publish? I did. They're all self-published, all on all on Amazon. Okay. All three. The right. third was the collection of short stories, essays, and poetry that I wrote in college, all with a gay angle. Sure. Um, I think one of my most successful pieces was rewriting the ladies' dressing room. If you're familiar with that piece of literature, talking about this ladies' dressing room and everything you would find in it. Okay. I rewrote that as a poetry piece. From a drag queen's point of view. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> and it was be anyway, interesting. <laughs> yeah, a ladies' dressing room with a question mark after. <laughs> <laughs> a lady, really a lady? <laughs> right. But I think I think it's the good good ideas. I think well researched is the next step. Yeah. If you if you're unfamiliar with something. Well written, well edited. Oh yes, editing <laughs> um, is important. Very important. <laughs> the, the back, the back page blurb, I think, is really important. For me as a reader, it is. It is cover art. Two of two of my covers. The collection piece is a picture of me as a little boy with my dog, with my okay. father. My father's pipe in my mouth, and my ankles are crossed. Okay. <laughs> Third one, my memoirs is a picture of me at Gay Pride in full tuxedo, my hand in the air waving to the crowd on the Detroit Courier Bridge, and I'm in six and a half inch stilettos. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> over that one. But the Holocaust story was photographs that, and then copies of do- actual physical documents and postage stamps from that time frame in regards to the Holocaust that were all collaged together to make the cover. 
And it's oh, a cool. Two men, I think one standing, one seated. And then the background is all of this paraphernalia, paper paraphernalia from the Holocaust. But I designed that myself because I want oh, I wanted cool. to be really moving and subtle that people would really have to pay attention to with the cover. Trying to say that it's about the Holocaust without saying it. You know what I mean? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think those are the things. And then I think if it's something that you're really interested in, really shows on the page. And if there's some level of, as you said earlier, honesty yes, to your writing and honesty in a way that even if it isn't your story, to some degree could be, yeah. or, or readers are invested in enough to believe that it is. And especially with erotica, because I think so many people think, oh, well, this is the way their sex life is. Like, well, maybe to a degree, but then how much of it is something we long for or fantasize about versus what it is in reality. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Or it is hell. Right. (laughs) Or it could be. We're just taking our frustration put on the page. Right. I wish he would do this. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that much about you, but it's like when Fifty Shades of Grey came out, and then everybody started talking about it. It was like, I, no, I don't want to read this. <laughs> yeah, I actually have not read it. I heard it was I written either. so poorly. People said it was written poorly. So I'm like, why am I going to read it then? Right, exactly. Really capture what it was trying to capture. And I guess the movie's even worse, which I have not seen. Me neither. And I have no interest because it's, as you said, done so badly. Right. I mean, if somebody says it's written poorly, why would I, why would I buy it? Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Get that. Come off as my grandma used to say half-assed. People mm-hmm. are going to know that's the way that it is and they're not going to buy again. So you really got to put yourself out there the best way that you can. I yeah. Think. Oh, I, I do too. Interesting. And I think if you fit, I think there's themes and I don't know for sure because I'm so new, but it's like, I think there are certain themes within erotica, and I'm not talking just gay or straight, but I'm like talking specific sexual things that may or may not happen in specific areas, and some of it can cross, but some of it might not. Right. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. It's like, how much do you earn? When do you get to the point where it's too much? Right, exactly. When are people going to be like, oh, God, this is so unrealistic. <laughs> oh, exactly. Right. Yeah. People speak up and be like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your perspectives. And so it's interesting in that people, something that wasn't talked about years ago, and it is now, you know, some of these things people didn't talk about, or they just shut well, it down. Unfortunately, the time that I came out, you know, AIDS was so predominant and then I got so involved in that activism and in the streets and act up and arrested. And I ended up in newspapers and magazines and television and oh wow, cable news. And my family, well, my father more than my mother was less than thrilled. 
<laughs> you know what? You could write a nonfiction book about your experiences doing that. I think people would be interested in that too. So you have I, another idea. <laughs> I thought of that. And that was a lot of what was left out because I only had two years to write my memoir. So there's like big chunks of things that happened that I never got a chance to talk about. Right. And well, then see, now you've got a big old list of things to write. <laughs> and gave me this new perspective in it on how to approach it and include those things. And he's like, the base is already there. You just got to add to it. And it got the new title. So it's not like rewritten or whatever, or, you know, updated or however that works. Sure, but it's sure. like a whole brand new title, but it's got information in it that wasn't in the first one. And maybe people that will buy the first one will buy the second one and skip over the parts that they've already read. Or change what's already there to fit the second one. So they're reading something completely new in a new right. way. Well, thank you so much. This was really fun. It was fun getting to know you more. And will you have a good day? You too. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning you get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going there. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.